Isaiah 28, and uh, we'll go to verse 16. Now, usually when you turn to Isaiah 28, you're looking at stammering lips in another tongue, the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the rest and refreshing. But this time in verse 16, we're looking at a stone that is a foundation. Let's read together 28 and 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Praise God. In other words, they're not going to be running around worried and upset and wondering how things are going to turn out. No, that foundation keeps you strong and secure. Praise God. I'm thankful that we can trust in the Lord for all of our needs. Amen. You can be seated. The Lord bless you so much. Those of you who uh, have been involved in building um, your own home or on a job um, or what, uh, whatever capacity you have worked, uh, you know how important the foundation is. I'm always amazed at uh, colossal construction projects like, um, well, the Space Needle in uh, Seattle, the, uh, the Arch in St. Louis. Uh, they had to be so exact that they couldn't be even a fraction of an inch off because 600 feet above the ground, um, it would become very visible. <laughs> and so the foundation being very important. In Ketchikan, we uh, thought it would be good to add a family room onto the back of our house and use that for a church. 28 by 26, it was kind of small, but our lot was, was real small. And so we thought that's, that's what we're going to do. And first we had to dismantle the deck. There was a large deck in the back, and uh, that uh, was kind of uh, bittersweet because we enjoyed barbecues on that deck. We enjoyed shooting baskets on that deck and just uh, enjoying uh, picnics and family time and so on. But uh, we dismantled it, uh, slid the shed back to the back boundary of our small lot, and began to excavate because uh, uh, Ketchikan is a rock, but it's got a lot of muskeg on top of it. And we thought, okay, we're going to um, excavate down to where we think the level needs to be to add that addition. And we did, but it was still soft. It was still mucky. And uh, some others came and, and uh, with better experience than I and used a big old uh, rebar and jammed it down in the mud and said, the, the rock is not that far down. You excavate a little bit more and you'll be down to solid rock. Okay. We called the guy back up and here he comes with his backhoe and uh, scrapes down to solid rock. And it was solid. <laughs> but we had to backfill back up to the grade. Well, that's still rock. 
And then the uh, footing went in and the little stub wall, whatever that little wall is called, uh, to get it up so, because our, our lot was slanted and we had to be above the slant in the back, otherwise that mud would be against the wall. And so uh, it, it came about and, um, and worked out okay. And then a couple of volunteers um, helped with the, uh, you know, pouring the concrete and, and uh, putting the sill on and closing it in and, and so on. It went together pretty fast and um, we were able to finish the roof on it and the drywall and the plumbing and the electrical and, and so on and uh, put a wood stove in for uh, keeping it warm and the neighbor complained and we couldn't use it for a church. <laughs> but some people got the Holy Ghost in there before we had to move to another location, including the twins. They got the Holy Ghost there and several other adults. We had some powerful services in that little space and the Lord used it for his glory. Amen. And the Lord provided a way for us to continue on. We went to use another church building charged us $25 a week, and, uh, and then required us to have a million-dollar liability insurance. And that, I, I thought that was a nice way of saying, bye-bye, we don't want you in our building anymore. But I went to our, our uh, insurance agent, and uh, he looked into it and said, okay, this is good. And for just under $400, we had a million dollar liability insurance policy and I went racing right back to that pastor, uh, Salvation Army officer and said, we got it. And he said, okay. And uh, it continued to work out. Now in Ketchikan, they're paying 2,100 a month for a small space to hold church. But God's moving, God's working. I don't know how in the world they're coming up with that 2100 a month, but they do, and God blesses and God meets with them. Thank God for a foundation. Amen, amen, and the blessings of the Lord. And every trip to Ketchikan, or most trips to Ketchikan, we drive by that old house in 1347 Ferry Chasm and uh, take a look at it. The trees have grown real big. <laughs> it's over 30 years that we've been gone, but... Uh, it, it's still standing. Praise God. The scripture says there's no rock like our rock. Amen. The Israelites were familiar with the rock. They got water from the rock. And they got water from the rock again. Moses carried tables of stone up the mountain and down twice. So he was very familiar with the rock. And in Deuteronomy 32, Moses sings a song that mentions the rock several times. You know, it's interesting that he said to the Lord when God was speaking to him from that burning bush, I can't speak. He was a stutterer, but here he is a singer. And uh, he, he makes mention of the Lord being the rock, the rock of salvation. He tells the people of Israel, don't forget your rock. He says, the rock shut up the enemy so that you can chase, a, uh, or one can chase a thousand, and two could put 10,000 to flight. He said, their rock, not like our rock. In fact, where is their rock, he says. Amen. Where are their gods? 
We thank the Lord. Uh, we know how powerful our God is. And that rock was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, they did all drink the same spiritual drink. And they drank of that spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ. Praise God. And they didn't realize that soon it was going to be fulfilled, that Jesus would come manifest in the flesh like Brother Levi taught us today. And they would worship and magnify that one. Amen. Jesus Christ the rock. I'm thankful that we can know that power and that blessing in the Lord. Joshua challenged the people to serve the Lord their God. He, he told them, choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he made a, a peculiar statement. He said, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, then you decide. And I, I stop and think about that. How can it seem evil to serve the Lord? I suppose if you're on the outside looking in and you can't quite figure out how it's all going to come together, how being in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning when you could be sleeping in or enjoying a leisurely breakfast and having your 13th cup of coffee or whatever it might be, you might consider that that's a waste of time. Or Thursday night, why interrupt your week and come to sit in the house of the Lord for a Bible study and look at a book that is thousands of years old and uh, written by men not of this culture, of this continent, and uh, try to fit it into our time and our day. If you're on the outside looking in, it may seem peculiar, but oh my, when you've had a taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And thank the Lord there's that power. It seem evil to you to serve God? Choose who you're going to serve, whether the gods of Egypt or the gods of the people that dwell here in the land that you're inhabiting. But as for me and my house, what a, what a powerful commitment that he would make. What a decision that he would determine. What a direction that he would establish. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. There's no question about it. There's no mismanagement of it. There's no indecision. It's going to be that way. Praise God. And then in verse 27, we don't usually go to jo Joshua 24 and 27, but for the purposes of this message, it fits. Joshua said unto all the people, Behold this stone. Hmm. It shall be a witness unto us. And then he says, For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. The stone heard it? That's probably, he's probably likening some of the people to that stone. You don't hear anything. You don't, you don't pay attention to anything. You don't follow anything. And said, you're like this stone who has heard the word of the Lord. But let it be a witness, therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. Thank the Lord that there can be a witness. There can be a place that we determine as a reminder Amen. Remember the pile of stones that Joshua directed some men to grab a hold of in the middle of the Jordan River, carry them all the way to Gilgal, not just on the bank on the other side, but all the way to Gilgal, several miles away. 
Let that pile of stones be a witness, be a reminder, be a memorial of what the Lord did, how he brought you through the Jordan River. Praise God. I'm glad there can be memorials in our lives. There can be a reminder. There can be a witness. This is what God has done, and I know because he did it for me. Praise God. Oh, thank the Lord for his blessing. Philistines uh, were attacking Israel relentlessly. Israel was subjected to uh, their, that warfare and oftentimes lost the battle. And they had taken the ark of God, the, the ark of the covenant, the symbolic presence of God. But now they realized they needed to return it. Dagon had been made, their God, had been made handless and headless and the presence of the ark, because God's not going to be defeated by anybody or anything. Amen. He is going to come forth victorious. The Philistines talked among themselves, and they remembered Egypt. They remembered Pharaoh. That, that was decades ago. That was years ago, maybe even a century by this time. But here they are, the enemies of God, talking about what God did to a sovereign nation that was powerful. And they didn't want to have that, uh, that conflict and that problem with the Lord God. So they said, we're going to take the ark back. And, but in, in the same time, they were attacking Israel. What did Samuel do? He led Israel in repentance. Good to have a repentant attitude. Good to have, not, not a crestfallen, woe is me, uh, you know, type aspect, but a, a, a repentant heart before the Lord that says, God, I want to please you. God, I want to serve you. God, I want to live for you. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. Amen. And when Samuel offered a sacrifice on the altar, I like this part, God thundered with a great thunder. Praise God. Amen. How, how incredible that must have been. And it wasn't against his people, it was against the Philistines. And they were defeated that day. Praise God. What did Samuel do? He set up a stone. He called it Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You need to have some Ebenezers. You need to have some situations that you look at and said, my Lord helped me in that point. My Lord helped me to win that battle. My Lord helped me to overcome. My Lord helped me and avoided what would have put me under. But he was there. Praise God. I'm thankful for those reminders. I'm thankful for those memorials. I'm thankful that we can remember our God is victorious, praise God, and his power and his blessing are unmatched. The Lord used a parable in Matthew 7 to underline how important it is to not only hear the word of God, but to obey the word of God. He said, the man who hears the word and doesn't obey it is like a man who built his house upon the sand. Then the man who hears the word and obeys it, adheres to it, follows through on it, does not let it slip away. He is like a man who built his house upon the rock. And then he said the storms came, the wind blew, the floods arrived against both houses. You know that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Amen. And the Lord brings us through. 
But the house that was built on the sand fell, and great was the fall of it. But the house that was built on the rock, amen. And we often get, you know, we, we get an additional interpretation here, building a house on the rock. The meaning is, the interpretation is, obey the word when you've heard it. Amen. That's how you're going to be stable. That's how you're going to be solid. Praise God. And thank the Lord. A foundation of rock is what the Lord is telling us to do when we obey his word. The disciples were asked by the Lord, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? They conferred among themselves, perhaps, or maybe Peter piped right up like he usually does. John the Baptist. You know, Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Those guys had a concept of resurrection, but it was a frightening one. It was something like based on Halloween. They didn't have Halloween back then, but you get the idea. It was frightening. It was terrifying. Thank God we know the resurrection is powerful, wonderful. Amen. Amen. Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And then the Lord brought it home. Whom do you say that I am? And oh, that I am must have been powerful for them. And Peter again would pipe right up, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord told Peter that he is blessed, and it was the Father that revealed that truth to him. And then the Lord said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Praise God. It was the rock of revelation of who Jesus is, not Peter. <laughs> There's a whole <laughs> uh, international organization that says it's built on Peter. No, it's the truth of who Jesus is. Praise God. He is the tried stone. He is the sure foundation. Praise God. He is the cornerstone. Thank God that we know who he is. Amen. Are you familiar with the concept of a touchstone? A touchstone. We don't use it so much uh, in our time, in our culture, but in ancient times, traders, merchants, uh, even government officials, when they were receiving payment and taxes and so on, would receive the gold and the silver that had been handed to them, and they would rub it on this touchstone. It was slate or jasper or some, some mineral, and the veracity or the reality of the gem, the, the, the gold or the silver, was determined by the mark that it left on that slab. That's how they were able to tell if it's real or not. A touchstone was the standard. I'm thankful that Jesus is our standard to measure righteousness and truth. He is the one that we call upon. He is the one that we look to. He is the one that we know is that sure foundation. 2 Timothy 2.19 lets us know the foundation of God stands sure. Amen. It's not fallen down. It's not dismantled. It's not crumbled. It's standing sure, and it has a seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Praise God. He knows who you are today. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what your status is. And thank God, he knows that you belong to him. 
And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'm thankful that the Lord knows us, and we in turn know him and determine in our hearts we're going to please him. We want to satisfy him. We want to live for him, and we're going to turn from iniquity and wrongdoing and move into the realm of righteousness and godliness by his power and his spirit that dwells within us and be on that sure foundation. Praise God. Amen. Now, the concept of uh, being lively, being living to something that is inorganic, something that is just uh, uh, a stone. Peter writes about it, and uh, in 1 Peter 1 and 3, he talks about a lively hope, a hope that is alive, a hope that is living. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings that hope. His abundant mercy is what has begotten us or what has brought us uh, to the new birth. This is real important, Brother Levi. Let's go ahead and look at those scriptures, 1 Peter 1 and 3. He establishes in us a living hope. Praise God. Not something that's based on old philosophy and old ideas, and old uh, writings, and so on, uh, from the Greeks and the Romans and different ones that would have an idea of uh, some philosophical ideas for us to live by. No, it's a living hope. Praise God. And that hope reaches into the eternal. Look at verse 4. It's an inheritance that is incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fades not away. Everything we see in this world, C.S. Lewis said, the things that are not eternal are ineternal, if that's such a word, and they're a waste of time. Hmm. But here we have something, an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Praise God. What a reservation. Thank God. We want to make sure we're there. And then he goes on in the second chapter, 1 Peter 2 and 4. Jesus being the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious. And then we are made, in verse 5, we are made lively stones. Now that's the dichotomy that is so hard, the, the, the paradox that might be hard to grasp. How can a stone be living? How can something that is inorganic have life? Because the Lord brings that life, praise God, and we become a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to the Lord, not a relationship with a dead deity. We don't fall down before stone or wood or, or uh, metal, but we serve a living God. Thank the Lord for that power and that blessing that we're able to rely upon. Verse 6 Peter goes on, and uh, the text in Isaiah that we read is referenced here in Peter's writing. He's the chief cornerstone. The believer won't be confounded. The believer won't be confused. Praise God. In verse 7, he is the head of the corner. He is precious to the believer. The disobedient reject him, but the believer loves him. Praise God. And takes heed to his word and continues on to know the power and the blessing of God and the strength that he's able to impart to us because it's alive. It's powerful. 
Amen. And continues on. The end times were spoken of by uh, Daniel clear back in the time that he served the kings of Babylon. He interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the image that represented world history, and it unfolded exactly as uh, the dream was interpreted. There was a stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it would come down and smash against that image and crush all of it. That stone is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Praise God. Thank the Lord that he is going to be victorious. Isaiah wrote about the rock in chapter 32 and 2. He said, A man shall be as an hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Oh, I'm thankful the Lord can be all of those things to us and more. A hiding place when the storm is upon us, a cover when the, the storm is strong and blowing, rivers of water in a dry place. We go through those dry places. We have difficulty in them at times, but thank God there's rivers of water that the Lord will provide. A weary land, a land that is difficult, a land that doesn't offer any protection or shelter, but the Lord is that shadow of a great rock. Praise God. Oh, I'm thankful that he provides the shelter and the sustenance in the spiritual realm that we struggle through, but God is there to minister to us. Amen. Isaiah used the idea of be, your face becoming like flint, <laughs> not hard-headed, but moving into the realm where you're going to stand. You're going to be solid. You're going to be established. You're not going to falter. You're not going to fall. You're not going to stumble. You can continue on rock solid and steadfast in serving the Lord. Praise God. And oh, if there's ever a time to, uh, to take a stand, it's in this day. So much that is going forth, so many voices, so many ideas, so much contradicting the Word of God, so much against the family, against God creating a man and a woman, all of those things taking place. Take a stand, praise God. Be that solid rock that the Lord wants to use you to be. And the two times that Paul referenced the text that we read in Isaiah 28. He quotes it twice or references it twice in Romans. And both times he ended, you're not going to be ashamed. Praise God. You can stand. You can be solid. You can be blessed. You can know with great assurance what the Lord has done. Praise God. Now here's the point I want to make. A foundation. A cornerstone. A tried stone. No feelings, no awareness, no anything. It's not living. But yet our God can be solid, secure, a shelter, but yet sensitive and our Savior. Praise God. Oh, I'm thankful that we know the characteristics of the divine nature, his grace, his long-suffering, his loving kindness. Oh, what a great God. His mercy, his goodness, his patience, his compassion. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I look at the actions and the attitudes of Jesus in the Gospels, in the times of compassion that he demonstrated, those blind men crying out to him to be healed, and he had compassion on them. The man who ran from the mountain down to the seashore to worship the Lord when he saw the lake become calm after a great storm. Yes, demons possessing him, legions of demons possessing him, but he ran to worship the Lord. And the Lord had compassion on him and delivered him. Praise God. Oh, thank the Lord for that compassion. The widow of Nain, again, making her way to the cemetery. She had buried her husband, and now her young son had succumbed to death, and she's on her way to the cemetery once more. But Jesus had compassion. Praise God, and raised her son from the dead. Compassion on the multitude and fed them, even though it amounted to 4,000 and 5,000. Jesus took time. He took time to share truth. The woman at the well, whom some may have called the bad Samaritan. We know the Lord taught about the good Samaritan, but he taught, talked to the bad Samaritan as well and told her about the things of God. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He came to the Lord by night, but Jesus took time to teach to him the truths of being born again of the water and of the Spirit. And thank God we know the power of that new birth, being baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and being filled with his powerful Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank God for the times that the Lord would teach that truth and we can know it and live it and receive it today. He touched those with needs, even though the law declared if you touch a dead body, if you touch someone flowing with blood, you're going to be unclean. Didn't stop the Lord. Didn't stop him one bit. Thank God that woman walked away healed and made whole. The dead daughter of Jairus was raised up from that deathbed. Thank God because our Lord is sensitive a man and a savior and able to do that work. Yes, he is the foundation. Yes, he is the tried stone. Yes, he is the cornerstone. But thank God he can minister to your needs. He can reach out into your situations. He can speak the word. The centurion said, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house, but my servant needs to be healed. I want you to heal him. Praise God. And the Lord spoke the word and marveled at the faith of that centurion. He wasn't even uh, a Hebrew. He wasn't even one who would follow the law. He was in the Roman army. But the Lord said, you have great faith. He marveled at it. Oh, that the Lord would look at us today and marvel at great faith. Praise God that we can move into that realm of knowing how powerful he is and what he desires to do because the Lord can speak the word. The nobleman came to the Lord. The nobleman followed all of the, uh, the tracks, as it were, where the Lord was going to track him down and say, I need you to heal my son. I need you to take care of him. I need you to provide for him. And the Lord would tell him, go home. He's been healed. And the servants met him, and he inquired, what hour did he begin to mend? And he recognized it was the very same hour. Praise God. I don't know if he looked at his sundial and figured it out or what, but the very same hour that the Lord spoke it, praise God, it, it began to happen. The Canaanite, 
or the Syrophoenician woman, again, someone who was not entitled, someone who could not approach the Lord, but three times she called him Lord. She wanted her daughter healed. And Jesus said, great is thy faith, be it unto you as you have believed. Mm. That's why the text said, to him that believeth. Remember it? You got to believe. He's the tried stone. He's the sure foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. He's all of those things that you need. Believe it. Praise God. It's got to become part of you. It's got to be something real to you. And thank the Lord we know he is all of those and more. We're not going to be disgraced. We're not going to be shaken. Not going to be shamed. Not going to be confounded. Not going to be confused. No, we believe because all things are possible to him that believeth. Circumstances mock that. Situations come against it and say, really? You think so? Yeah, I think so. Because I know so. Praise God. And I'm going to keep going. Because the believer is not condemned. The believer is never going to thirst. The believer is going to do greater works. Because that's what he promised these signs shall follow them that believe. And before he said that, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Praise God. The believer is going to have rivers of living water flowing out of him. The believer has everlasting life. Oh, thank God we can believe. We can keep believing in the face of adversity, in the face of opposition, in the face of that which would mock and scoff at what you claim to believe in the Lord. We're going to keep believing, praise God, because we want to move into his presence. We are sheltered. We are secure in the foundation that is our God, and he ministers to us in power and in peace. Oh, what a great God. What a powerful Lord that we can rely upon today. Hallelujah. And know the goodness that he would impart to us as our faith stands upon the foundation and we claim all the blessings that he wants to give. Hallelujah. Stand with me now, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Amen. We prayed for a long list, a long list. But there may be needs right here, right now. And I'm thankful that the Lord is able to minister to those needs just as well. With his power, with his blessing, with his grace, with his mercy, with his compassion. Praise God. And I'm thankful our faith can make contact with his power and with his blessing. With, for healing, for encouragement, for assurance, for a lifting up in our spirits. Praise God. I'm thankful that he's able to provide. Amen. Would you come and pray here today?
Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Call on the Lord now. Let him minister to you. Let him provide for you. Let him bless you. Who shall I look for you?